Welcome to this Touch podcast activity, which has been recorded for Touch Dermatology. This podcast series aims to bring you expert and patient perspectives on the burden and unmet clinical needs associated with Prurigo nodularis, PN, the current and emerging treatment landscape for PN, and the importance of a holistic multidisciplinary approach in establishing optimal treatment and care pathways for patients with PN. This activity is funded by an unrestricted independent medical education grant from Sanofi and Regeneron Pharmaceuticals. This activity is jointly provided by USF Health and Touch IME. In this podcast, two dermatologists, a psychodermatologist and a patient advocate, share their views on why a holistic multidisciplinary team approach is so important in establishing patient-centric treatment and care pathways for parigonodularis. Hello, my name is Martin Metz and I'm a dermatologist at the Institute of Allergology at the Charité in Berlin, Germany. And uh, today I'm joined by my colleague also here from the Charité in Berlin, Manuel Pereira and Anthony Bewley. He's a psychodermatologist um, uh, at Barts in London, UK. And we have a patient, a patient advocate, Salaya Maganti. She's the lead of the Parigo Nodularis International, also in London. And here in this section, we will discuss the importance of a patient-centric, holistic, and multidisciplinary approach to the management of Parigo Nodularis. And maybe, maybe let me start with this. I mean, we're talking as physicians always uh, about. Um, seeing a patient in a holistic view, not only look at a symptom. So, so, so this is something that we in general say how we should treat patients. So the question is, what makes, uh, what is special about also Prurigo where um, we say that it's, it, it's, it's really required to, to have this. Um, Manuel, what, uh, what do you think? Well, in Prurigo, um, the first thing I would like to say is you, you need not just dermatologists, you also need other uh, f physicians from other specialities. So you need uh, uh, you need internal medicine specialists because often patients do have systemic conditions that can aggravate the itch. You may need radiologists if you want to rule out, for instance, a tumor causing the itch in the first place if the parigo is not present for so long. Uh, you, of course, need uh, uh, psychologists or specialists in, in, in psychosomatic medicine or even psychiatrists if, if the secondary um, disturbances as anxiety and depression are, are, are present in the patient. Um, so that's what, one aspect of it. You need many uh, medical specialities working yeah, together. It's really to about treat. the comorbidities, right? And um, exactly. so, so because there are many comorbidities. And, yeah. But also you need other kind of... of, of, of uh, of people uh, like social workers, for instance, because if patients with Parigo cannot are not able to work and, and they, they might need uh, social support, or they might need help in, in getting back to work, or help with their with their uh, out of pocket costs, for instance. So you also need that, that kind of, of professionals uh, helping dealing with patients with yeah. Parigo. So but before we hear from the patient perspective, Anthony, do you have something to add on this, especially maybe on the psychological aspects? Yeah, well, we know from research that having a multidisciplinary team approach to managing patients with conditions like Prurigo nodularis gets the patient better quickly, more comprehensively, and with less chance of recurrence. 
So having the multidisciplinary team approach with a range of different specialties is in the patient's interest. But you know what? It's even more than that. It's in the healthcare professional's interest too, because they get a more comprehensive or more facilitative consultation with their patient. So for me, for our patients, it's a bit of a no-brainer, really. Mm, that's right. But 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 is it really happening, Salaya? But I don't know what what are your experience. Or maybe I mean, you have so many uh, patients within your um, uh, Perigo League. Um, so so so, what are your experiences with this approach? Um, so I think initially, um, so I'll speak from my experience first. So when so I did the round of pretty much I think every single hospital department possible. Um, and on paper, I have a clean bill of health. I had a clean bill of health, um, but at the same time, this disease, which started with one nodule, you know, over half a decade, literally spread top to bottom with hundreds of lesions. Um, I was under the care of immunology for a number of years, but then at the point which I was under the care, I was very much told, like, I was very clear. I was I was always asking for, is there no targeted treatment that will target the itch? Because, as you know, the options, the empirical options are sort of a carpet bombing option with a lot of side effects, um, some of which will probably give you a condition which you may not get in the course of your natural life. And I was told at that point, you know, the science isn't there. But as we know, the science is is getting there, hopefully, slowly, bit by bit. Um, number of my patients in my group have are under the care of rheumatology, for instance. Um, and as you say, there are a number of comorbid comorbid morbidities, whether that was in existence before or whether they've developed during. And, I mean, having that much inflammation in your system long-term can't be good for you either. And then on top of that, we're not sleeping. So as we know, the impact of a lack of sleep on, you know, insulin levels and and stress doesn't help because no matter how much you try to de-stress, you're living with a very, very difficult condition which leads to a lot of stress and, and a condition which... You know, if you're lucky, you're under the care of physicians like yourselves who know the disease and empathize with your patients and can offer them the best possible available care as of today. But that's not the case for the majority of patients. Um, and I think in terms of psychological support, I would say it's very important where not all patients would like to go down that route either. So we must understand there is one camp, one school of patients who definitely want to access the correct psychological services and there's another group of patients who don't want to go down that route and we must we need to respect that uh, i myself as a patient was not keen to get psychological support initially and if i can be honest i was sent down the wrong route you know i was sent for instance habit reversal therapy i don't have a habit i have an itch that is literally killing me so that doesn't really help and if you send me keep sending me to the wrong you know psychological support I'm less likely to engage with it because I'm not very keen to go out and then later on I was very lucky I worked with a very an excellent psychodermatologist and the importance of having a good psychodermatology dermatologist in your corner is I, I wasn't diagnosed for nine years so when I first started working with her I was really dealing with this this condition that was destroying my life destroyed my peace it was taking everything I had worked for from me and had no name. And I was I was told by one dermatologist, oh, Sailor it's not important to have a name. Well, how would you feel about it if you had something that was demolishing your whole life? And I said to you, it's important to have a name. A name is important because a name means prognosis. It means options. Or it means maybe no options. But it means I can now try and deal with it and you know, get the support. And then once I got to the name, 
I realized that was a hollow name. It made absolutely no difference because there were no treatment options or the treatment options were in some ways worse than the disease maybe for very little to no relief. So the support I got from her was very much accepting what I had. And I didn't want to accept because I saw acceptance as failure. And accepting that acceptance does not mean failure. Then coming to terms with the uncertainty, the loss of control, finding mechanisms, and she gave me tools to cope. And most important, she gave me tools to advocate. And she empowered me to say that I am the expert in my condition because I've lived with it for decades and no one is going to tell me otherwise. And I think that's what good psychodermatologist support will do for a patient. Yeah, thank you. Um, something that you said um, about, you know, every patient is different and um, the... Uh, in the end, the goals are, are um, the the expectation that they come into the office are different from patient to patient. And and I myself can only say that um, among the many patients with Prigo, um I had, there were some who said that doctor, whatever whatever um, it takes, get this itch away from me. Re truly and honestly, whatever it takes, you know. Because otherwise, I'll, I'll I'll jump out of the window. Um, and and others say that you know if you can if you can improve my situation, um, then you know I th th this would already help me a lot, and then I can cope and whatever. But just an improvement is fine. And this, of course, also um, helps in defining a treatment uh, types of treatment. Because as you said, there is no uh, um, as. As of last year, there was no um, uh, Perigo uh, treatment, and we had to refer to um, off-label treatments like abapentin, antidepressants, and and so on. And um, some saw this as a problem. You know, if you say that, okay, you know, I, I take this drug that is not for my disease; it's it's for something completely different. Um, I prefer not doing that. And and others say, as I said, I do anything, and then I I live with. Uh, side effects and whatever, as long as um, as it's better. And I think for this also, we need one to talk to the patient, but also the patient needs to be empowered to to be able to say what he or she uh, wants and and needs. Well, no, I'm going to say if I still HR, that's such a clear indication of patient centricity. So making sure that the patient is at the center of the decisions and the choices that the patient makes in terms of treatment and treatment pathways. And I think that we as dermatology healthcare professionals have got some learning to do around that because when a patient arrives in a consultation, they have their own agenda. You know, what is the diagnosis? What are my options? Can you please get this itch stopped now? How quickly can you get it better? And we as dermatology healthcare professionals may have a different agenda. It might be about what's the differential diagnosis? Have I got the diagnosis right? Um, what is going on for this patient? And what are the consequences of this? What other tests and what other things do I need to do to get this patient better? So making sure that we have a patient-centric approach where the mixture of those two different agendas are addressed from the patient's perspective is really important, really important for the patient, but actually it's really important for the outcome for the patient and better for us as healthcare professionals. And also one important goal that patients often have, and we, we looked also at that in a study, is not only improvement of the itch and of the skin, but also understanding where the itch is coming from and uh, uh, and what they have. So, and that that is a bit what Salai was also referring to. So there is not so much understanding of the disease often, and, and it's, or, or if there is, it's not 
well communicated enough to the patients. And I think that's also adding to the burden of the disease that uh, patients are not understanding where this is coming from um, and what they really have. Yeah. So, so just to add on this, we did also an investigation where we asked um, more than 800 patients with different types of itch. So, so it was just any any patient with itch um, got many questions and so on. And one of the questions was uh, regarding suicidal ideation. Um, so, whether really the itch that the patient experienced um, has ever brought them to think about um, ending their lives. And the highest rate was among those patients um, with no skin changes. So. Uh, I mean, closely followed also by Perigo, but but this this um, adds to what you said. If you do not know, and and uh, Elijah, you you said, do not having a name of the disease is 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 horrible, and these patients that only have itch don't have a name for the disease as well. So that's horrible. And then not knowing where the itch comes from, not even being able to, you know, to, to, it's atopic dermatitis, everyone understands this is itchy or, you know, without having this um, places an extra burden. But let me let me summarize as um, in, in one sentence, it, it's about the patient. Um, in Perigo, we we need to listen to our patients. We need to empower our patients to understand what they um, can expect from us, from um, from the treatments that we can offer, and we have to listen and adapt our approach to uh, the patient need. So patient needs to be in the center, and I think we can all agree on this here. So thank you all very much. Thank you for listening to this Touch podcast. Don't forget there are two other chapters in this series, so please listen in for further insights from the multidisciplinary team. You can access more content on dermatological conditions, including a parigonodularis-focused touch panel discussion with Professor Sonia Stander, Dr. Sean Quatre, and Professor Matthias Augustin on touch dermatology at www.touchderma.com.